Welcome to the From Hangovers to Happiness podcast. My name is Arielle Diamond. You can find me at My Sober Compass on Instagram. This podcast is to help you step into your power and discover that you truly matter, my friend. If you are considering sobriety, want to start living a life without alcohol, or just want to hear some great recovery advice, then this is the podcast for you. Let's go. One of my favorite questions to receive is, Arielle, can you tell me a bit about your experience in going to rehab? Yes, I freaking can, because finding a rehab was extremely hard and confusing. I really didn't have a clue. So I love this question, and I'm so glad that you're listening to this episode right now, because if you are considering going to rehab, or maybe you have a loved one who's considering going to rehab, let's talk about it. Rehab world can be quite overwhelming. And for me, the moment that I realized, holy crap, rehab is now on the table, was the moment that I was sitting and disclosing to my psychiatrist the exact amount that I was drinking. And this happened in July of 2015. I had just come out to a friend and said, yep, this is what's happening. I am drinking way too much and my life is spiraling out of control. The first thing that we did was go to the psychiatrist. And boy, oh boy, did her face drop when I told her that I was drinking between three and five bottles of wine a day. I really didn't think that was that much, but she clearly did. (laughs) And so with that look on her face, she followed up with, Ariel, I really want to strongly recommend that you attend a rehab facility. And my brain immediately went into overdrive. Oh my goodness, I am now in this category where I need to get external help. My first question was, can't I just do this from home, from the privacy of my own home? And she said, no, I think that you need to go to a rehab facility. Wow, this opened my eyes to so many other options, but it also made me realize that the problem that I was facing was quite huge. And I really didn't even at that point want to admit that I had a huge problem. I just knew that I felt like shit. I wasn't comfortable leaving my house. I was miserable. And my subconscious was telling me that if life continued this way, I was not going to live much longer. My, the other side of it was I had people now around me telling me, Ariel, you've got to get help and you've got to get help fast. So my first question to the psychiatrist was, can I keep my job? And she said, well, right now your priority is your life. And I would really heavily recommend that your job take the back seat right now due to the severity of your alcohol addiction. I left her office with so many feelings, all the feelings, and I was confused even more because now... It wasn't as if she had said, here's where you need to go. She said, here's where, here's what you need to start researching. And she said, research facilities that make sense for you, that have a primary focus on alcohol, that you can stay longer than 30 days, and that have an approach that really melds with you. So down the Google treatment rabbit hole I went. <laughs> And I was not prepared for all of the different considerations that I was going to have to make. First off, 
Did you know that when you enter your name into a website at certain treatment facilities, you have an agent that phones you and calls you and tries to sell you on their specific center or centers? I had zero idea that that was going to happen. And I very quickly realized that after putting my name in a few different websites, my phone was blowing up. But the problem was the people that I was talking to on the other end of the phone, they were so obsessed with me going to their specific facility that they were not asking me questions that made me feel like they were truly listening to me and that they truly cared about me. So all of those treatment centers went to the back burner. The other thing that I didn't realize was the shock of the price. I had no clue that treatment facilities ranged so much in cost. For example, anywhere from $10,000 to $65,000 a month for treatment. And it was explained to me about the structure. Essentially how I understood it was I would be going into a facility They would be taking my phone. I would not be able to bring my computer. And the entire time I'd be in there, we would be focused on getting me well. And what that looked like was counseling, group work, educational seminars. Everything was included in-house, including activities as well as food. And my mind just continued to be blown by all of this different information. And mind you, my brain was not operating at all well at this point. I could not even read a page in a book and remember what I had just read. And this was all due to post-acute withdrawal syndrome. I didn't even know that was a thing. For those of you who have not heard of that before, I would strongly recommend that you have a Google and go and look up post-acute withdrawal syndrome. In the recovery world, we call it pause for short. And essentially what pause is, is your brain, once you come off of a substance for a really long time, your brain goes into rewiring mode. And my brain, oh, my brain was sore. It felt bruised. It really wasn't functioning very well in the beginning of my detox. And here I was going down the rabbit hole trying to find a treatment center that made sense for me. The first barrier that I had to overcome was deciding if I wanted to disclose to my work or not. And at that point, I did not want any human to know that I was considering going to rehab because I was really afraid of the stigma. And I wish I could go back in time and tell myself to maybe ease up on that a little bit. But regardless, I I don't have a a DeLorean time machine and I can't go back in time. But at the, at the, my point is, when I was searching around, I was really scared to talk to other people about it. So I didn't reach out to anyone that I knew who had been to treatment. I was operating from this. I'm hiding in a bubble right now doing my research. And the research was quite confusing. Suddenly, I was looking at these major price tags and I did not even know what to ask when I was on the phone with them. So then I had this bright idea that maybe I should start to look in Canada because of the exchange rate. And lo and behold, there popped up Top of the World Ranch Treatment Center in British Columbia, Canada. It had horses on their website. It had mountains in the background. It said it was a holistic approach. And I was really against AA at this time in my life because I had been going to AA meetings, a couple, a handful, drunk, and not getting anything out of the meetings because I really wasn't ready to get sober. 
So the holistic approach really appealed to me. And I gave them a call and I spoke to an amazing woman on the other end of the phone who was immediately caring. She asked me pointed questions and she really made me feel like I was going to be okay. And she gave me a lot of hope when I hung up that phone. And I said, hmm, this seems like a really good potential fit. I would love to just get out of the city, get out of DC life, get out of the traffic, yep, holla beltway, and head over to a nature, beautiful, naturey, beautiful treatment center in British Columbia. And I had never even been to British Columbia. So it was this exotic destination. My decision was made and I called the intake wonderful, awesome lady back and I said, yep, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come there. She got me in in a week and I had a week to pack. And I also had some decisions to make. Who was I going to tell? Who did I, did I want to uh, tell my work so that I could come back to work? And all these decisions I was making, but they were hard. And I had to really take them one step at a time and I had to be quite strategic about it in my waking hours because at this point I was still detoxing and sleeping up to 16 or 18 hours a day. So the first thing I had to tackle was my job. And I decided to go and quit my job because I knew deep down that that job was not, and the stress level of it was not helping me recover. (laughs) It was like my dream job. So this was really hard for me to actually let go of the job and focus on myself because I had been really entwined with work and work was my identity and I felt really afraid to let that go, but I, I couldn't really see a way of keeping it and then coming back and telling people where I had gone. The other thing, the other tackle that I had to... The other hurdle that I had to tackle was who was I going to tell in my social circle about leaving? And one of the best things that I know how to do is dissociate, <laughs> which means I don't really want to think about it. And I, I truly kind of withdrew from everything. So I shut down my Facebook account. I left my Instagram open, but I decided that when I went to treatment, I was going to turn off my cell phone and leave it off forever and get a new number when I came out. So I told three people other than my close family where I was going and I said, do not tell anyone. And again, if I had my DeLorean time machine, I wish I could go back in time and tell more people because a lot of people were worried about me while I was in treatment. And this was something that I found out later on. But I did what I had to do. I quit my job. I told my select people and then I started to pack And packing was extremely difficult because at this pivotal time, my brain, again, was not functioning well. So I can tell you guys this quite a funny story. I started packing gowns into my bag and here I was going to rehab. I had no idea what people wore. I didn't know if I should bring a book. Like I wasn't even sure what I was gonna be allowed. So I just started packing like a mad woman. I packed high heels, I packed gowns, I packed pajamas, I packed a couple of loungewear clothes. And my friend, I was FaceTiming her at one point and she's like, Ariel, where do you think you're going? And I said, oh, well, I guess you're right. I guess I don't really need to pack this many dresses. She said, yeah, you're going to a mountain and you're going to a rehab. So I don't think it's gonna be very fancy. 
But this was part of my growing. I had been always quite obsessed with how the world perceived me. And this was quite apparent when I was packing because I was afraid that if I showed up looking how I felt, people would start to judge me. And the healing process began. So I packed and then I headed my little booty up to Ottawa to see a family member on my way to British Columbia. And I spent a few days in Ottawa and I was panicking. I went shopping one day, we went to an H&M and all of a sudden I was looking at the clothes and in the middle of H&M, I started to have a panic attack. I was really afraid of what rehab was going to be. I was afraid of people knowing where I was going. My, I just wasn't functioning very well as a person. And all of these feelings started to come up now that I didn't have alcohol to numb them anymore. And the people around me were like, what is happening to you? Are you okay? Like, what is this about? And I couldn't even put the words to it. But looking back again with my time machine, if I had been standing there witnessing this, what was happening was I was completely overwhelmed. I had zero coping strategies and I was really having an out of body experience. How could this be happening to me? How could I have let myself get this deep? And I was blaming and shaming myself like no tomorrow. I can still feel it in my chest, that shame. It's, it's a heavy thing and it was a heavy burden that I had been wearing for so long and now without my quote unquote friend alcohol to help me numb that, it was like right, it was like an elephant sitting on my chest. And I knew that I needed to do what I needed to do and I ended up getting on the plane the next day and flying to treatment by myself. So there I was flying into the Cranbrook airport and there were mountains all around and I had never seen scenery so beautiful. The last time I had seen mountains like that were in the Alps. And I remember telling the person that I was with in the Alps, like, how do I, how do we not have this in North America? Well, boom, we do have it in North America. I was just, <laughs> I was just really unaware of it. So we pulled in, I pulled into the airport, got out of the car, got all my bags, and there was a person waiting for me to take me to the treatment center. So the car ride was about 30 minutes. I was shaking, I was scared. And we pulled up to the treatment center and my goodness, it was gorgeous. It was a bunch of cabins, a beautiful admin building, and it was like a scene out of a movie. So there I was with my Nikes, my Lululemons, and my hair in a bun, walking into treatment, unsure, and I, again, had another out-of-body experience. There were people all around and trying to talk to me and I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know who was safe. I didn't even know who was staff and who were clients. Like it was a bombarding. There were so many different things bombarding my brain that I just shut down. And that is a survival mechanism, which I came to realize I had been doing a lot in my life, but I just shut everything off because I could not take a lot at this point. And I had a really nice roommate. She said, oh, well, you know, why don't we go to the smoke pit and meet people? And I said, oh, I don't smoke. You know, I never really had. I never really knew anyone who smoked. So we went down to the smoke pit. And my goodness, there were so many nice, lovely people there that I started to talk to and get to know. And I thought, okay, I can function in here. I can do this. But it took me a week to unthaw. And when I say unthaw, I mean like 
I was this ice princess, ball of emotion. I was never comfortable showing my emotions because I could never control them once they came out. So what I had done my entire life is build these walls, build these barriers, hide my feelings because I was really uncomfortable in my feelings. And this became quite apparent to the entire group. So I got the nickname of Ice Queen very early on in my stay at treatment. And then I, I started to thaw. My feelings started to come out. And when they came out, oh my goodness, they came out like a waterfall. I started to pour my heart and my soul into my treatment. And at the time, I had only planned on staying at the ranch, top of the world ranch, for 30 days. But when I was in the ranch, I started to have major epiphanies in small group, in counseling, in our morning check-ins. Treatment was quite a new arena for me, but oh wow, once I started to do the work, everything started to shift. Everything in my life. When I started to get vulnerable, that is when the healing started to happen. So for example, in the mornings, we'd wake up for green tea at 7.15, I believe, go downstairs, have a cup of green tea, and meditate. And after the meditation, we would have breakfast, and then after breakfast, we would sit and do a check-in. And in this check-in, we would talk about how we were feeling. And the first couple of check-ins, oh, it was brutal. I really didn't know what to say. I didn't know what feelings I was feeling. And a very nice person who was sitting next to me one of the mornings handed me this feelings wheel. And the challenge was we had to use any word except I'm feeling good. Good. You're not allowed to use good. <laughs> and so I didn't. I started to actually dig into what I was feeling. And I felt a lot of things. And a lot of things at once. I was mad and sad at the same time. I was happy but anxious. I was refreshed, but also nervous. There were so many different things on the spectrum that were happening. But my oh my, did this treatment, did this check-in process really start to help me pull different pieces out of me? And in those 30 days, I was awakening to the fact that I was not going to be fixed in a short 30 days. I was not. I knew early on that I was going to need more time. And luckily I ended up staying through 90 days of treatment. And 90 days of treatment is a long time to not have a cell phone, not have email, not have a computer. And it was the exact thing that, that I needed. I needed a space to just be in my skin and start to get real with what had been happening in my life. And the other side of this treatment center was that they presented as a holistic facility, but one of the things that they did, which was turned out to be one of the best things, was they also incorporated 12-step meetings, which I was hugely against before going in, but quickly realized, wow, these meetings are quite amazing. Wow, people have a lot of experiences that sound like mine. Wow, I'm not alone here in the world anymore. I've got a lot of people around me that have been living life in a similar way that I have, where they're not happy with what they're doing, but they're doing it anyway to get some sort of relief. And so many light bulbs went off in my head. I needed people around me. I needed to vent. I needed a safe place to just dish 
And then after I was done dishing, I started to put a strategy together. I started to heal my past. I tried EMDR. I tried different counseling methods in there. I spoke to staff and asked them about their stories. And, you know, I wasn't the perfect client. I went in a little bit entitled and a little bit needy. But when I left, they had a graduation. They always have graduations for people when they leave. And at a graduation, what happens is we go around the room and share about the person who's leaving and talk to them about what they've noticed in their time in there. And the biggest thing that people would say, that people said about me during my graduation was how much I changed. I went from being this ice queen of a person to actually walking out the door feeling like I could love other people. And I had something to give to the world. And I actually mattered for the first time in my life. I truly believed that I mattered, which it was a long time coming. Alcohol had always made me feel like I was less than. My past made me feel like I was less than, but I wasn't. I was a lot of things mixed together in this imperfect body with imperfect feelings and imperfect thoughts. But you know, that those all the imperfections that I had actually made me a pretty cool human. So when I walked out of treatment, other than wanting a cheeseburger, which was quite hilarious because we had the best chef on the planet at this facility, I just wanted a cheeseburger from Wendy's. I got my cheeseburger and I started my move into Cranbrook. And my move was scary, but I knew that I needed to extend the amount of time that I was away from big city life and just take a rest. My alcohol addiction had caused me to become so burned out that my brain was healing. Like I said, in the beginning, I really couldn't even read a page out of a book. Now I was up to a couple of pages and I was actually holding conversations for a long period of time, but my brain and my body were still readjusting. And I knew that leaving treatment, I had been told this very thing. The real work starts once you walk out of treatment because now you have to build accountability. You've got to find your supports. You've got to have a routine and you've got to get all of your shit together, essentially, and start to live life sober. And bam, that hit me like a bus. I thought maybe it would be easier than people were describing, but when I walked out of out of that facility and walked into my new apartment in British Columbia, I knew very quickly that this was going to be a lot of work. But I will focus on that part in the next episode. For right now, what I want to say to you is if you are looking for a treatment center or if you know someone who's looking for a treatment center, please take in a lot of different considerations. There's a couple things that I want to relate, relay to you through my own personal experience that I wish I had known prior to going to treatment. Number one, there are hundreds and hundreds of facilities in North America specifically, and they're all very different. In the U.S., the system is quite different. It is a mix of insurance-based treatment and private facilities. And then in Canada, it is government beds and private facilities. Like even those those things, I had no clue. I just came up to Canada because of the exchange rate and because I loved the ranch's website. And luckily, I found the most amazing treatment center that I could for me. 
The other thing I want to say is certain facilities specialize in certain things. For example, there are facilities I know of in BC, Alberta, Ontario that specialize specifically in mental health, that specialize specifically in dealing with drug addiction, and specialize specifically in alcohol addiction. There are a lot of facilities that are 12-step based and there are other facilities that have a more holistic approach. I would recommend speaking to someone who has the knowledge around everything and taking those factors into consideration. Find the Right Rehab is amazing in Canada. They're the number one place that I would recommend for this. Just because you get to talk to a real life human on the other end of the phone and get the recommendation that makes sense for you based on their knowledge. Findtherightrehab.com. Uh, but yeah, there's. you will notice if you go down the rabbit hole of Googling treatment facilities, it will get very overwhelming very quickly. And I just want you to take a breath and just start talking. Start talking to people who know about, re about rehab, who know about different treatment styles, who know about what routines you should look for, what clinical recommendations they would, they would recommend to you, and so on and so forth. The three things that truly helped me while I were in treatment, one was getting out of my home environment. I needed to get out of where I was because I was all alone and I really thought that I could figure things out on my own. Two, find a facility that honestly feels like it's in alignment with you. If you want to go to a 12-step program, go to a 12-step program. If you want to go to a holistic facility, you do that. I mean, there were some really cool things that I noticed that each treatment center did, but I, at the time, my brain just wasn't working very well. And the third thing I would consider is if you want to go to a co-ed treatment facility or a single-sex treatment facility. The one that I went to was co-ed. But there are lots of treatment centers out there that are just for men or just for women. And honestly, I do feel like that can be a really cool experience depending on where you're at. There are so many other considerations to make that we could I could sit here and talk all day about it. But know this. Treatment is amazing. And if you need to do it, please do so. If you need to get out of the environment that you're in and surround yourself with clinical professionals, I think that is such an awesome opportunity to do this. And detox, do not vitamin detox like I did. Oh my goodness. Like, honestly, I wish I could go back in time and just figure that out a different way and go do a, a very specific medical detox protocol because I had zero clue that I was at risk of having a seizure. I hope that this episode was really helpful and gave you a lot of things to consider. Just know this, if you are considering treatment, I want you to know that you are brave, you are strong, and you can overcome anything that you set your mind to. And I am here to support you every step of the way. So go ahead and send me a message at My Sober Compass on Instagram if you have any questions, or visit my website, www.mysobercompass.com, and I would be happy to chat with you about some options and help steer you in the right direction, because there's a lot of different things to consider, and I just want you to know that you are not alone in this. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I want you to leave this knowing one thing. You matter. If you are struggling with staying sober, don't give up. 80% of people in their first year of sobriety go back to drinking and the average amount of tries it takes to quit alcohol for good is seven times. 
I am rooting for you, my friend. Keep pushing no matter how hard it gets. You are an incredible and capable human being who deserves so much happiness. If you'd like support, find me at www.mysobercompass.com. Also, if you find this podcast helpful, please give it a rating and share it. Thank you.